For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, we're back. It's Red Lake Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson. He's Bill Lack. Uh, glad to be back with you for another episode of the podcast. Bill, how have you been, buddy? Good, 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 good. We're kind of we're back from the dead here. You know, it's been almost a year, I think, since we've done one of these. Oh. And uh, nothing good has happened since then in terms of the Cincinnati Reds. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. I don't, I'm not sure why we'd want to get back to, uh, I don't know that it's been quite a year, but it's been a long time, and I'm not sure why at this point we're eager to get back to talking about the Reds, but... But why not? That's what we do. Uh, it's been a rough year. The Reds are now on pace, uh, I think, as of uh, today, to lose 110 baseball games uh, in uh, in 2016. 110. So, what do you think about that number? So, so what you would be able to say is this was a record-setting Cincinnati Reds ball club. In every way. The bullpen's setting records. Uh, runs allowed in most consecutive games. May set a record, that uh, certainly a club record anyway, for most losses. Um, I heard they had to put a fumigator out near the bullpen. I think that's accurate. <laughs> I'm not sure that's been reported yet, but uh, I think that's You heard accurate. it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first, right. It, it, just a, a disastrous year in just about every way. You know, the best players not playing well. The bullpen is historically bad, as we've said. And and really nobody is, and the is doing well. I mean, and the injuries. I mean, this, this team is... is, is I mean, hell, to the point where yesterday they lost, they had a they had an announcer go on a DL for four to five weeks. <laughs> no, no one is able to escape this uh, the the malaise that's uh, surrounding this organization. Just really, and, and and as we say that, our thoughts and prayers go out to Tom Brenneman with whatever this surgery and thing that he's dealing with. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's that's not a, not fun at all. Best wishes. Get well soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was uh, there was a Xavier announcer a few years ago named Andy McWilliams that, that had throat problems like this, and it ended it ended his career. Oh, well, so, um, so hopefully Tom's stuff isn't that serious. Let's hope not. They they made it sound like it was uh, preventive surgery, and, and I don't know, uh, but uh, you never want to see someone's livelihood. And and I thought about that with Marty all these years. You know, what does he do to take care of his voice? Yeah. To, and, and, you know, Vin Scully coming to the, his 67th, he's in his 67th season. What do those guys must do to take care of their voices? Because everything everything rides on it. So so wish Tom the best. Yep. Um, and wish all these other guys on the disabled list the best. we got an entire starting staff, pretty much. Starting rotation yeah, on and, the disabled list. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and to be fair to, to, to the ball club, I mean, this is not the team that they envisioned having when the season started, especially on the pitching staff. Um, and you know, you assume that the pitching staff is going to get better as, as guys get healthy and guys that are in the rotation. You know, things find their 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 planned level. You you think so? Now that's actually what I've said. You know, I made a, a prediction before the season. I didn't think the Reds would lose a hundred games, and I, and I actually didn't think they'd lose ninety this year. 
because I thought the pitching would be good enough and the young pitching would, uh, I thought we'd be good enough to keep the Reds from being really, really bad. I expected a bad season. But, you know, you can't, can't expect having, uh, you know, Homer Bailey was supposed to be back by now. Um, Rosella Glace has been on the DL, for, you know, he made five starts and he's been on the DL ever since. Uh, who else we got out there? Anthony Disclafani has not made a start. Nope. You know, and those, those are probably, in my mind, the three guys that I counted on being the top three guys in the Reds rotation this year. And, yeah, and, and Moss got, you know, is getting ready to come back, uh, you know, and, and, and then you'd look at the guys that just didn't do the job. I mean, who would have thought that J.J. Hoover would have been as horrendously as bad as he's been? You know, they got him, got him sent down, got him a trip, a triple down, to, a trip to Louisville. You know, an all-expenses-paid trip to Louisville. Uh, you know, the Mezzarocco injury again, um, and the Votto, the way Joey's playing. Uh, you know, it, it just, it's just it's a it's a a comedy of errors almost. I mean. It, Everything that can go wrong has go wrong. Has gone wrong. That's exactly the phrase I was getting ready to use. It really does seem like you could not uh, have made up a list of things that, that uh, if you were, uh, you know, going to say how how are the Reds? What what are the things that could happen to the Reds to make this the worst season possible? You start naming everything that uh, we've talked about. And they've all happened. Yep. Um, it's just no one could have could have predicted this. I mean, you know, the Reds were predicted to be bad this year. No one uh, could have seen it uh, getting this bad this quick. Uh, while you know we, we've mentioned Votto a couple times, let's let's talk about Votto. I'm sort of at a loss w- with Joey Votto. Uh, he's not injured. Uh, pitchers are pitching him more inside. Maybe they've learned a little bit, but Joey's always been able to adjust. He's never been this bad for this long a stretch in his entire career. Coming off maybe what was his uh, you know, second best season of his career last year, just an incredible year. Well, do you have any thoughts? Any ideas? What, what's wrong with Joey Votto? I got nothing. Um, the, the only thing I have is is, is a, a frightening feeling because if 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 this isn't a blip, if this is a trend, this team's in a lot of trouble. Because they owe him a lot of money for a long time. Only ten more seasons, Bill. Yeah. So, and progressively more money, if I remember right. I don't remember how his salary breaks down off the top of my head, but holy crap! I mean, and and, and there's no there's no way that I believe that Joey Votto is going to continue to be this bad. But the strikeout percentage is the thing that freaks me out more than anything. I mean, his strikeout, his isolated power is, you know, down. Uh, but his strikeout percentage is, is, you know, 7% higher than it was last year. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, if you'd have told me, uh, you know, almost a third of the way into the season, 50 games, that Votto's uh, numbers across the board pretty much mm-hmm. would, would be worse than Brandon Phillips, if for example. I mean, uh, Batting average, slugging percentage, OPS plus, doubles, triples. He does have one more homer than, than Brandon Phillips. Uh, just uh, across the board. Now, of course, Joey still takes a walk. Um, but even that's way down. But even that's way down. Uh, his on-base percentage is 330, which <laughs> leads, leads the team, amazingly. 
But um, <laughs> which tells you another problem. That tells you a lot, absolutely. But what you said, the strikeout. He struck out fifty-four times, uh, which leads the team. Um, and yeah, if you told me he's been striking out more than Jay Bruce, I would have just thought you're crazy. There's no way that could happen. I could see Bado having a, a few bad weeks, and he has in the past. Man, we're you know staring down the barrel of June here, and Votto is just. He's just not there. And, well, his on-base percentage is almost 100 points lower than his career average. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy scary. And, and, you know, we worried about a decline as he got, you know, well into this contract. But, again, talk about things nobody could have predicted. Yeah. He was great last year. He, he finished, what, third in the MVP voting last year. I mean, he was unbelievable. And now he's... Below replacement level. Well, he, he finished with an OPS plus of one seventy four and OPS of, of, of one last year. I mean, that's incredible. That's an incredible season offensively. Yeah. And, it was, and, and, and the second half was unprecedented. It may have been the best half of a season a red hit, Reds hitter has ever had. Yeah. Uh, I think you can make that argument. Uh, I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I know the second, you know, I didn't compare it to any of like Morgan seasons or, or Foster or, 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 you know, like that. But, and you, like you said, you, we talked, we've talked for years about the contract hurting the Reds in the long term. Is he, is he at a, an age, you know, an age speed or an age caused decline? But this is like he went off a cliff. Yes, it's not it's not a, a decline. I mean, it is a decline, but not as we generally think about it. Uh, as a person in his, his 30s and starts to uh, decline some, this it's just it's inexplicable. And uh, now I think the good news is if you look at uh, the uh, Fangraphs had a pretty good piece I think last week about hard hit rates, guys that are hitting the ball hard yeah. uh, that, that have been the most unlucky, and Votto was right up there third or fourth or something, the most unlucky. He's uh, hitting the ball harder than his numbers are showing. Um, his batting average on balls in play, and I don't have that pulled up, but it's way 100 points or something lower than his career uh, batting average on balls in play. So there's some element of he's hitting it right at people. But that doesn't explain the strikeouts and the times that he just looks lost uh, at the plate. Uh, I know pitchers are, are hammering him on the hands a lot more than he, in the past he said. It's just never taken him this long because I consider him to be uh, the smartest and the hardest working uh, hitter uh, on earth, really. They say he, even today he's always the first one at the park taking hours of batting practice trying to get it straight with the Reds uh, hitting coach, Don Long. Um, I would have thought he'd have been able to make some adjustments by this point in the season. We're two months in. And so it's really just, I don't know. Um, I mean, hitting's hard. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to underestimate how difficult it is to hit, but Joey's a special kind of guy. And uh, I, I don't know. you you got to think, it, if the luck stuff evens out here, he'll start hitting better. But... Yeah, he's getting to a point where it's going to be difficult to, to, to bring his numbers up to what we're used to seeing from Joey Votto. Uh, they are. Um, but again, you, you, you talked earlier about the Reds uh, got some guys that when they get back from injury, things like that, those guys get back and Joey Votto starts hitting like Joey Votto. You, you could expect, I would think, this team to actually improve a good bit over the way they're playing right now. So there's some hope for this season if, you, if you're looking for a better brand of baseball to watch, not tonight. Uh, you know, but they're still going uh, to finish in the last place. 
Yeah, and I, I thought before the season that they would lose, if not 100 games, well over 90 games. I, I just didn't. I didn't see there were, I, my, but my argument was there weren't enough bats. Um, because I, I did not expect Jay Bruce to still be with this team at this point in the season. Um, and, and I still think he and, I think he and Cozart will be gone before too long. Uh, now I read the other day in one of the paper, I read it somewhere that the Reds say, you know, they're not going to sell low on Jay Bruce. Well, you know, this is what the problem was last year when they, you know, many, most people didn't feel like they got what they should have gotten for the guys that they traded last year. They waited too long and they asked for too much. I guess, you know, and, and do the Reds overvalue their players? It sounds like it. You know, I, I don't know. Well, I'm not sure where I fall on Jay Bruce, but I'm not sure that trading him right now would be selling low. It would be pretty close to selling him high. Well, uh, what I mean by that is that they aren't going to sell him cheap. I see. Yes, they're not going to just give him away. I, I, I didn't, I didn't enunciate well, that correctly. Right, yeah. Um, I guess. I mean, I feel like they did uh, – I feel like they didn't get enough return on uh, Todd Frazier, for example. Uh, although, uh, in the end, uh, they may be vindicated on that. I thought they could have gotten more just based on what uh, his perceived value was. But, of course, I don't know what's going into these conversations. My perceived value of him may not be at all what other uh, general managers uh, bl- believed his value to be. So maybe they got the best they could. Um, and, and that's that's a, a question about valuing players. It sort of comes back to the, the old conversation we've had over and over about uh, analytics and the Reds analytics department, and they've they've hired some new people, and they're trying to beef up their analytics departments a little department a little bit. But uh, you know, you wonder if other guys, other organizations, have a leg up a little bit because they've been in this analytics game a little longer than the Reds, and they're valuing players a little bit differently. And um, maybe that's uh, maybe that goes into it. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not in the front office. I don't have those answers. Uh, this is all speculation. So uh, I. I like Bruce. I don't want to see him traded. I didn't want to see Frazier traded. I didn't want to see Cueto traded. I didn't want to see Leak traded. But, you know, you ha- these things have to be done if you're going to rebuild. I'm I'm being uh, emotional uh, about that and not, not rational. Um, Cozart, you know, what a great season. He's been so much fun to watch. Yeah, they've got they've got a deal in. I mean, they have to. He's, he's ne- I can't imagine his value is ever going to be any higher. If you can uh, turn him around and get something in return that could help this team in three or four years... I think you've got to do it. I mean, uh, what a great season. I mean, yeah, he, he's, he's playing really, really, really well. Um, my wife would probably never go to another Reds game if they trade Zach Cozart. <laughs> uh, Understood. And I tell you, many other women would feel the same way. <laughs> um, you know, I was doing, worried about doing Cozart. an unofficial survey, you know, it's sitting at the saloon. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I was really concerned about Cozart coming back from that injury last year and, and about whether he'd be able to play shortstop uh, defensively like we would become accustomed to because um, I, I think he was underrated defensively. Uh, I think he was an elite defensive shortstop as good as anyone anywhere. And, uh, I, you know, the defensive metrics look pretty good so far this year from what you can tell from, uh, you know, he's played 41 games, so not a whole lot to uh, to base those on, but the, he passes the eye test too. I, 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 think, he's, I think he's fully back uh, defensively. He's fantastic. Yeah, I agree, and, and and it also depends on how much you buy into the defensive metrics, and, and I and I still to this day I question defensive metrics because I think they're very subjective. Uh, I, to me, 
and, and you know, is an, and, I, and I've become an analytic guy as I moved along here. The, the 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 still on defense, the eye test is the best way of judging, in my opinion, because you know somebody's judging whether somebody should have got to a ball or what their range is or something like that. You know, it, it, there is some subjectiveness to the to the defensive metrics. Well, uh, however you want to view it, I don't have any concerns about Cozart defensively. No, I don't either. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's uh, he looks like he, he looks to me like he's getting to a lot of balls, um, and uh, I guess when the eye test is backed up by what I see. Uh, in the metrics, yeah, that makes me feel pretty good that uh, that that they're right. Um, but he's hitting the ball, you know. Uh, he's even up to five walks on the season now, <laughs> which is not great for a leadoff hitter. But uh, you know, um, for a shortstop, his numbers they're beginning a little bit of a slow decline uh, to their regular level. But in two eighty nine, you know, uh, he's got five homers. 109 OPS plus, uh, along with the defense, even five homers, so a little bit of pop. Uh, I, I would really love to see, if Cozart's still a red, I would love to see him uh, be named to the all-star team this year. Just He's had a lot of good years for the Reds, not at the plate. but Somebody uh, has to go from the Reds, so. <laughs> they have to take someone. That's it? right. That is still the rule, isn't it? Didn't they, did, they, I know there was talk of changing that. I don't think they changed that. No, no, that's the rule, and uh, it'll have to be Cozart or uh, or Duvall or Dan Straley. Those are about the only guys that are playing well. Yeah. Um, and, and that's another thing. You told me before the season that uh, your three best players, and I think I think you can safely say those have been the three best players, although Bruce has, uh, has hit fairly well. Um, his defense has been bad. Which is but, another thing that you never would have predicted. No, because he used to be just an elite defender. But Cozart, uh, Adam Duvall, and Dan Straley, I think, are probably the three most effective players so far. And that's just, um, that's just crazy. Um, and actually, last week, uh, I saw someone posted on Twitter. Um, I don't know, it was in a, uh, right before the Brewers series. And uh, a, a Brewers blogger had done a, a preview of the Red Series. And... <laughs> He he pointed out that by offensive wins above replacement, just, just looking at, the, at how players performed at the plate, um, well, plus it, it, it takes defense into account, but not including pitching uh, war, just offensive war, the fourth most productive player for the Reds this year had been Brandon Finnegan uh, with, with the bat. Um and you may or may not know Brandon Finnegan's a pitcher. Uh, that, that shows how good this uh, offense has been. Yeah, for the Reds. And and and, and his offense and his, and his OPS is five thirty four. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, just uh, uh, it's been a bad season, but uh, you know the, the the highlights like Adam Duvall. Who saw this coming? Uh, you know he's he's still he's sort of like Cozart. He won't take a walk, and that makes me uh, concerned about his uh, long term uh, viability as a regular player. But he hits the ball hard, and he's always hit with power everywhere he's been. Yeah, first... that's what I was going to say. And they're getting out of him what they expected in terms of you know power. I mean he 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 hits the ball you know a long way, and and and, and hits it hard. The question is going to be the walk rate, which is even down from his level. Yeah, and and strikeout rate. 
Well, he's, tw- he's 27, should be uh, you know into his prime here maybe. In the next couple of years, you could expect him to be a decent player, and I don't mind having him. Actually, I think he'd be better suited at third base. Um, but he leads the team in home runs, and uh, I think he has the most home runs of anyone in the National League in the month of May. I think he had nine home runs in May. So, Well, if uh, they trade Cozart, you have to assume that Suarez will go back to short, and, and, and they might move Duval in. Yeah, unless, uh, well... They can but, do that, and if Winker's ready, bring Winker up to play left. But they may, they may bring Peraza up to play, to play short. Who knows? They could. Um, the Peraza situation's another, you know, another. Well, that gets back to Brandon Phillips and and <laughs> your favorite player. Yeah, my favorite guy in the world. <laughs> and, I, and I have, I do have a, I do have a solution for the Cincinnati Reds on how to deal with Brandon Phillips. Let's hear it. I take I call Brandon Phillips into my office and I say Brandon, we're bringing up Peraza to play second base. You're going to play once a week. If you become a problem, we will suspend you. Now, would you like us to see if we could trade you? Um. Yeah, I think I know what his answer would be to that. Uh, they're not gonna, they're not going to do that, and um, no, they're not. But they should. Well, yeah, I, I, I do not have a problem with uh, Brandon not wanting to be traded. That's his prerogative. But I don't really understand when you're making, well, and he wanted he wanted a financial inducement to allow for them to allow them to trade him, and they wouldn't do it. I mean, they're hamstrung in terms of, of, of money, according to the front office. Now, there's a lot of people who disagree with that. So they they were kind of you know hamstrung on that, but I don't ever want to hear Brandon Phillips talk about how much he wants to win. I never I don't want to hear the words come out of his mouth because it'll be a lie. You don't think he thought you don't think he thought this uh, 2016 Reds team was going to win the (laughs) division? Uh, No. Well, my my opinion on Phillips is well that everything you said is accurate. I'm I'm not going to argue with any of it. Uh, Phillips is a guy that's going to be a Reds Hall of Famer someday. I don't, I don't blame him for not wanting to pack up and move and go somewhere else. And he's earned that right. He's one of those ten and five guys yep. uh, to turn down the trade. And, and okay, well, and and it's even his right to say, hey, if I'm going to waive this right that I've earned, you're going to have to, you're going to pay me something. You know, make it worth my while uh, to pack up my life and, and move somewhere else. I don't, I, I really don't blame him for all that. But baseball is a business. Phillips had a little bit of a resurgent year last year, but he's back to his uh, same old ways this year at the plate. Um, at some point, he's a 35-year-old second baseman, and the Reds are going to have to look at this very coldly and very rationally and say, what's the best thing for this franchise at second base? Now, they may look at everything and think, right now, uh, Peraza's not really ready for second base. They may believe this. I don't know. Um, and so let's let him get seasoned a little more playing every day at AAA and take over for Brandon sometime later. But once they get to the point that uh, Jose Peraza is the uh, best option at second base for the Reds, and I think a lot of people, you included and possibly me included, if I wanted to go on record, would say that's right now. Um, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that right now. I, I don't know. A, a, you know, looking at Peraza's number, he's playing pretty well at Louisville. 
again, the walk rate is is concerning, but that's that's the Reds' institutional theory. You know, walks don't matter. Um, I, I'm not saying that he, but if the, I, I'm with you, if they believe that, then they have to they have to make a decision that one way or another, Brandon Phillips is not going to play second base every day. Right. I mean, and that happens with every player that plays Major League Baseball. At some point, you lose your spot. Um, and uh, I don't know about Peraza. He may not be the long-term answer. But if they think he is, they've got to f- figure out how to handle him well and probably let that uh, be more of a concern at this point than whether you hurt Brandon Phillips, who, again, is going to be a Reds Hall of Famer and they've got a lot of fans and um, and I even wrote recently about how I've sort of gained a little bit of an appreciation for what he's been able to accomplish. He's put up numbers that uh, uh, very few players, very few second basemen in the history of this franchise have ever come close to. So, but but you, it it's a business. I mean, it's just a business, and they're going to have to make that decision. And again, they're they're in a, the, the the Reds are in a better position to evaluate all that than I am. I'm just some dumb guy living in his mom's basement. Um, I, I don't actually live in my mom's basement, but... Uh, no, she kicked you out. <laughs> she kicked me out. Uh, <laughs> but um, at some point, they're going to have to have some version of the conversation you just had, probably. And, um, and, and it's going to alienate some of the fan base. There and like you said, there are there are some people that think Brandon Phillips is the be all and end all. They traded Tony Perez few a couple of months after winning the second consecutive World Series. Yep. They let Pete Rose walk. They traded George Foster. They traded George Foster. Um the this this is the way the game works. There are gonna be people that are upset. There are gonna be fans that are upset with it. At some point, Brandon Phillips is not going to be the second. It seems like he's been here forever. And really, if you look at it, he's had a good career. Is he the second best second baseman in the history of this franchise? I think it's pretty clear that he is now. Yeah, um, I agree. And that's a big deal. This franchise has been playing baseball for like 700 years or something. <laughs> the so, cavemen were out there with a rock and a stick. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that the Reds kick somebody to the curb that's not uh, not helped this team. He has. He's had some good years, and he's been uh, – I mean, he's a, he's a Reds legend, whether you like him or not. Um, he's he's going to be back for a, a ceremony someday where they induct him into the, the Team Hall of Fame, and he'll be a guy that's going to be fondly remembered by a lot of people in the and, Cincinnati and he'll, be the, and he'll be the last guy to come out on the field that day. Probably. There's another common complaint you've had uh, over the years about DP. And and we spent a lot of, I like the number of hours we spent sort of uh, chewing on Brandon Phillips on this podcast. But, you know, I I, I give him his due. You know, he's always been, he's not a great defensive player any longer. He's he's still a really good defensive player. Right. Um, He's never been as good an offensive player as people have tried to to make him out to be. Yeah. He's had some decent years. I, I, I give him credit for not complaining, no matter where they stuck him in the lineup. You know, he's always, I think, tried to do his best. Um, I don't like the bullshit on the field. You know, the playing around crap that he does sometimes, which has hurt the ball club at times. Um, and, and I don't like the fact that, in my opinion, he's a me guy. That's just my, my one man's opinion. But I will not take anything away from the career that he's had for the Cincinnati Reds. And that's really the biggest reason why I've had such a 
uh, not a huge turnaround, but why I've gained a little bit of an appreciation for him. I started looking at him in the context of all the second baseman in Reds history, and it's really, it's really amazing uh, where he ranks. And, and a lot of that's a function of just uh, uh, you know, counting stats where he's been around so long. And but, longevity. But, you know, he has been the Reds' second baseman for how long now? I'm going to pull him up here. And, uh, it came over in uh, 2006. So ten yeah, years. so, I mean, a full decade uh, at pretty much at second base uh, full time. Yeah, my guess is my guess is this franchise that's been playing since 1869 hasn't had. I bet they haven't had 10, sec, 10, 10 second basemen that played that long. I don't know if they've had two. Um, you might be right. Morgan didn't play that long. No, this is his eleventh season as the starting second baseman for the Reds. Um, I would be surprised if. if uh, well, I think when I looked it up a few weeks ago, actually, I believe that uh, Phillips does hold the club record for games played at second base. Yeah, would, um, yeah I bet you, yeah, that, that yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so, and, and that's, and and they've been bad a lot of that time. But he's also the second baseman on some pretty good Reds teams that we had a lot of fun watching um, from two, 2010, 2012, and 2013 90 win teams that went to the playoffs. So. Give him his due, but again, he's a 35-year-old second baseman, yeah. and tough decisions are going to have to be made. And history shows that that there's a there's a steep decline. Now he so far has has avoided that steep decline. You know he he had his his last above average offensive year was 2011. Yeah, and the next three years he really declined each year. It looked like he was in that decline. But then last year bumped it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, almost, he was almost average last year. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that would have been a good season to go out on. Uh, and I know Dusty would have liked to have had him in Washington. Well, and they tried to trade him to Arizona, too. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to go to Arizona. It's too hot. Yeah, they play inside and they play at night. And... That's true. So... Let's get off Brandon Phillips sometime. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about something else uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we have to. What do you want to talk about? Well, let's talk about the future. Is this team doing what they need to do to 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 prepare themselves for competing in what two years, three years? They say they can be competitive in uh, 2018. It's been the public. That's been the line they fed to to the public. I don't believe that. Well, I can sort of squint and come up with a scenario that they might be able to. Um, I think it's very easy to make an argument on the other side as well if they're not doing the right things. But my argument would be they got a ton of really good young pitching. And that's something you can't replace, having sort of a, a, a boatload of arms to choose from, and, and some of them are going to pan out. They've got guys like Parazza, Jesse Winkle, uh, Suarez, I think, can be part of uh, you know the next good Reds team. Where I'm not sure what his position is going to be. Um, if Votto returns to Votto, he can be on the next good Reds team. Yeah, but, but at that point, Joey will be how old? 
35, 34, 35? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's... Listen, I'm squinting here and trying to come up with a scenario. Let, let me tell you my problem with your th- theory. There are enough bats in this organization. I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, now, I don't... If they're going to turn some of that pitching around for bats... And I'll tell you what, to me, is is absolutely uh, absolutely uh, they cannot miss on this draft pick in June. This number, the number two pick. I think it has to be a bat, and it has to be something that can help this team in two years, two to three years. Uh, yeah, I can buy that. Um, I mean, I, I like Winker, Peraza. I don't know that he's ever going to be a really good player. I think he, you know, he may be a decent player. Again, the walk rate concerns me. Um, but after the, you know, you get past those two in terms of bats in the minor leagues, there really isn't a whole lot. Well, if you think that those two are going to pan out, and you think that uh, Billy Hamilton is going to improve, and you think that uh, I don't believe Billy Hamilton's going to improve. Well, okay, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how can you make that argument at this point? Well, I think probably your best argument is that Billy Hamilton is just 25 years old. Um, and so, but you know. You're not, but you're not seeing any sign of improvement. <laughs> Bill, stop talking logically and rationally. In we, fact, his on-base percentage this year is lower than it was last year. Uh, and lower than it was the year before that. His numbers are going in the wrong direction. He's great defensively. He's a very good. I, I don't know that I would say great. I, I think he's very good. I think if you're going to be a great defensive outfielder, you've got to have a better arm than he does. Uh, maybe. Maybe so. But I, I don't know that I've seen a better defensive center fielder since. If you don't count his arm. Uh, if you don't count his arm, I guess, yeah. I, he and, and I may be completely wrong on this, but he's never done anything throwing-wise that impressed me in, in center field. Nothing. I, well, I've seen him throw out a couple of guys, but his arm is probably no better than average. I mean, I wouldn't. But he gets the balls that, that we haven't ever seen a center fielder that could get to, maybe since Cesar Geronimo. Right, that's the guy I was thinking about. Although I didn't really get to see Geronimo play, um, just his reputation. Uh, and, he, but and, he, yeah. and he had the, the incredible arm. I mean, yeah. There, there's a story, and I can't remember that, you know, this may be something I heard or something I saw. It's been so many years ago now, about him throwing a guy out at the plate from the wall in center field at Riverfront. Wow. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. I don't think Billy Hamilton could do that. But, but their ball's hitting the gap that I think that's a double, and all of a sudden. Yeah, there he is. You're, I agree. All of a sudden, Hamilton grabs it. But this um, team doesn't have enough. The, the big red machine could afford Cesar Geronimo not being able to hit. This team is not set up that way. Well, here's my counter to that. If they've got the pitching pretty close to where it's going to, you know, and they should be ready to. Yeah be good in a couple of years. If the Reds already had all the pieces in place, it wouldn't be a rebuild. Uh, so That's good, that, man. You know, uh, they can spend the next two years trying to figure out how to uh, get bats in this organization, whether through the draft, like you say, and uh, or, you know, uh, trades. If, if more pitchers pan out than, uh, than they have need for, and I don't see that happening, uh, I'd keep all those guys as long as I could. But you may have some surplus to, to trade and get a bat or two. Maybe you can get a bat or two in the uh, organization through trading Jay Bruce, uh, Joey Votto, not Joey Votto, Jay Bruce, Zach Kozart, 
uh, or Brandon Phillips, uh, ultimately. You know, I mean, I think that can probably, if they've got the pitching figured out, they can spend the next two years figuring out the hitting side of it. And they've already got a, a little bit, they've got four positions at least. And I think they believe they have five positions that are, uh, if things go well, accounted for in the field, which would be uh, uh, Votto, Suarez, Duvall, Hamilton. Uh, and then, well, I don't know if you can count on uh, Devin Mezzarocco. I think they counted on him as well. I think really right field, uh, you know, either shortstop or second base, one or the other. I think they really they thought they probably thought that was the, they were the only two spots that they were really desperate to try to that they had nobody waiting in the wings. Um, I think you can make a good case as you have about center field that Hamilton's not going to be the guy long term. Now that Mesoraco's hurt, what happens with catcher long term? Um, two straight years of missing practically the whole season. So they do have work to do. But if Winker pans out, if Peraza turns out to be as good defensively as everybody says, and he can. Uh, you know, hit the ball a little bit. He could be a major league middle infielder. You or know, a, or a center fielder, or a center fielder. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that it's a lot's going to depend on uh, the decisions that are made the next couple of years. But I think they could. I don't think it's beyond all possibility that they could be competitive in a couple of years. Do I think it's likely? I'm not going to bet the ranch on it. But I'm hopeful, I guess. I, I, I will say this. Um, I've made no secret over the years of my disdain for Walt Jockety. Uh, I think he's too old school. I, and I, and I, have, I, I especially believe he's the wrong person to try to take a team through what this team's trying to go through. Um, the new GM... I, I had a discussion with, with Chris Welsh about, about New GM. We were talking on the phone one time during the offseason about something else. But he told me that he, he's a real big fan of this guy, of, of Williams. He think, he really thinks he's the right guy for this team. He thinks he's a great, he's a great mix of, of new school and old school. And I trust Chris, what Chris thinks. He's a hell of a lot smarter about baseball than I'll ever be. Um, so I'm hoping that that's the case, that we've got somebody in that seat now that, that, that's the right guy to take this team through a rebuild and, and, and come out on the other side and be ready to compete. Because the Cardinals are the Cardinals, and the Cubs look like they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah. Uh, the, the Pirates, maybe not. You know, Only time will tell whether they've really put an organization together that, that will allow them to compete over the long term. The, Cub, the Cardinals, we know they can compete over the long term. Um. But, you know, the Cubs went out and spent money and developed, a, uh, you know, a, a team and got the best manager in baseball and had one of the best GMs in baseball. And, and they look like they're going to be a machine for quite a while. So it's going to be difficult to compete in our division without, you know, a GM in place that really knows how to get it done. Well, uh, it's, it's hard to say so far with, with Dick Williams, the new guy, but... One of his first moves after taking over was uh, he ad- started advertising for new hires for the analytics yep. department. So um, he may not be the guy that everybody wanted, some uh, alumni from uh, baseball prospectus, uh, something like that. But uh, he's another thing where, okay, you know, some guys think highly of him. He's, uh, he's a graduate of the University of Virginia, so he can't be all bad. He can't. Uh, 
Hey, hey easy now. Watch can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a chance this team's not that far away because I do, I do believe they've largely got the pitching figured out. Uh, you can never guarantee that because pitchers get injured, as we've seen this year. Um, but it's like so many good young arms. I mean, uh, Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson down in AAA are just looking incredible right now. Um, Cody Reed looks like he could be a, an ace. Uh, Roselle Iglesias, I love that guy. That's the guy that I thought would be the ace of that group. Uh, you know, Stevenson has been the guy that's been the number one pitching prospect for years. Uh, those three guys are just have a chance to be studs, I think. And then you've got a ton of other guys that uh, can fill in that uh, the last two spots in your rotation. Uh, you know, you've got guys like Moscott, obviously. you got guys like uh, that we've seen some of this year. Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, oh, Finnegan. Finnegan, uh, John Lamb. Uh, you know, uh, these guys are guys that, uh, and, and I've not even mentioned Homer Bailey yet, who they still have on the hook for a couple more years. Yeah. Um, and if he can ever get back healthy again, he was he was awfully good before he got hurt, uh, for the couple years before he got hurt. Um I think that, uh, and then the ones that don't necessarily pan out as, as well, can you put those guys in the bullpen and you improve your bullpen uh, there. So, uh, like a guy like Dan Straley, I don't, you know, he's what a, what a great waiver wire pickup that guy was um, before the season. He's got a two point nine eight ERA after uh, eight starts this year. Just been uh, spectacular. He's a guy that I think actually could be a pretty dependable reliever on the next good Reds team. I think they should keep him around. He's just twenty seven. So, I think they are very close to having the pitching figured out for the next couple of years. So, if they can plug in here or there, uh, maybe even open the wallet for a free agent if, if the right one, if the right one uh, pokes his head up. Yeah, yeah, they could they could be competitive. You know, I think you're. I think you're, I, I don't. I guess I should say I feel like we're in a better spot right now. If you think back to 2001, 2002, those Reds teams that really just had um, Dunn and Griffey, uh, young Austin Kearns, and no pitching whatsoever, I feel like we're in a better spot to compete sooner than we were in 2001. I don't think they're going to go through another nine-year stretch well, only, of losing. My season. only problem with that thinking is back in 2001, nobody you know, the pitching was much more hard, hard, much harder to come by. Now it seems like offense is harder to come by, and that's what we're short. We always seem to be short of what's hard to come by. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. You, you don't see know. what I mean? Uh, you know. I think I think there are lots of teams out there who are struggling, who are uh, lower division teams that would kill for what we have in terms of young pitching. I think they hit a home run. Uh, Jockety, to give him his due, hit a home run, I think, with the Cueto deal. I uh, got three pitchers that could really be significant parts of the next good Reds team. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we're in for a. I, I don't think you're predicting that we're in for another stretch of nine straight losing seasons, but. I hope not. Uh, we're certainly off to a, a poor start. If the Reds were to lose somewhere close to what they lost last year or more, and they lost 98 last year, it would be, I believe I. Uh, looked at looked at it correctly, that would be the worst two year stretch in the history of this franchise in terms of uh, number of losses, in terms of winning percentage. 
Uh, if the Reds lose 100 games, it's going to be the worst two-year stretch we've ever seen. So that doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence, but I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm trying to be optimistic. I don't know why. Yeah, then um, in, 82, in 82, they lost 183. They lost 88. Yeah. And then they lost 92 in 84. So for a three-year stretch, that's losing almost 300 ball games. It's like between 280 and 300 in three years. Yeah. That's pretty awful. That's pretty bad. But then August. And that, was, uh, and that was with Mario Soto. Yeah. Yeah. Soto was unbelievable. <laughs> um, but then August of uh, 84, Pete returned and. I was at the got, game. Everything got better. Oh, were you really? I was at the game when Pete came back. Uh huh. Sitting in the green seats out in center field. I've never. That was the most electric I've ever been in a ball, including playoffs and World Series and everything. I, that place was nuts. Yeah. Um, well, and when he, he, you know, he doubled and, and took third on a, on a throw or something like that at his first at bat. That place. I mean, the, I, I thought the place was going to go into turn into rubble. The uh, yeah, the head first slide into third. Yep. That game is actually on YouTube. Um, and I watched, uh, and I watched that, that first at bat. I watched that through that first at bat not too long ago. And yeah, it looked like when he hit, did that head first slide in the third, uh, you know, and the Reds fans who had suffered through some, like we just talked about some really bad seasons right on the heels of the big red machine. Yep. They weren't used, they weren't used to seasons like that. And I believe that was against the Cubs, wasn't it? It was against the Cubs. Yes. Against the Cubs. I'm looking at this 84 team that lost 92 games, right? Mario Soto went 18-7 and seven on a team that won 92 games. Or that, won, or that lost 92 games. They only won 70 games. Yep. And Soto almost won 20. <laughs> Soto, Soto was the man. Soto was incredible. His whip was 1.129. And 33 starts. One of the most underrated players. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like, what was it? What was the year Carlton? They lost? Yeah, sometime in the 70s, yeah. The Phillies lost. Close to 100 games, and he won like 25 or something? I, I think 27. I think he won 27 games. Um, yeah, the rest of that Reds rotation. Uh, in 84? In 84. Jay Tibbs had a good 14-start run. Yes, he did. Everybody else was pretty, uh, pretty miserable. Frank, Power. Frank Pastore. Yeah. Well, Jeff Russell, who ended up being a hell of a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he made 30, 30 starts for the Reds that year. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Bereni. You, you don't even remember these guys. Oh, I remember these guys. This is when I was really first starting to become a Reds fan, and I had to suffer through these bad seasons. Bruce, uh, Bruce Bereni. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you look at Bereni's numbers the following season, I believe it was the next year. He was actually great. He didn't have a whole lot of wins. Um, I ran across that a while back, doing some, looking at some other stuff. But uh, out of the bullpen, a very young Johnny Franco, fantastic. Was he? Did he come over in the Bereni trade? I thought Franco came up. I thought he was drafted by the Reds. I thought they got him. Uh, what's, like, what, now, now that you say that, we got to look this up. <laughs> Of course, if I could spell and if my keyboard would work. This is riveting uh, podcasting right here. I know. We're, 
It tells you how, ba- how badly we're grasping for things right. to talk about. I drafted by the Dodgers in 81. Okay. So he so, came over. So he did come over. Who did he come over for? Here, I'll pull it out. It'll be down here at the bottom. Down here at the bottom, yeah. Yeah. With Brett it. Wise for Raphael Landestoy. Oh, the immortal. Raphael, Raphael Landestoy. Landestoy. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And then when they traded him, they got, of course, they got Randy Myers, and, you know, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was so upset when they traded Franco. I love Franco. Just, he was just fun to watch. A little lefty and just a sort of a bulldog. And uh, but you know the trade you can't hardly uh, can't hardly argue with it. Franco went on to be great for the Mets. Yeah, for many, 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 many years. Many years, but we did get one of the nasty boys. So yeah. we had a great season uh, in nineteen ninety, certainly. So yeah, and he wasn't. Randy Myers wasn't here long. <coughs> no, he wasn't here long at all. But uh, his heights were very high. Yeah, as a red. So start with our next podcast, Bill. We're going to introduce a new segment where we're going to go back and look at one team in Red's history and just uh, reminisce a little bit about okay, it. Okay, we can do that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, let's let's do that. We'll uh, we'll decide which one next time around. Uh, as for this year's Red teams, I'm Red's team. I'm not sure there's a whole lot else that we can that we can say. No, I, I, you know, I think uh, they came into the they came into the season knowing that they were behind the eight ball, and then the eight ball ran over them in terms of injuries and about everything that's gone wrong. You know, could go wrong, has gone wrong. And, and you can't blame the ball club for a lot of it. Um, you could ba- you could probably blame them for not being prepared for injuries, and you end up with guys in the bullpen that, that aren't major league pitchers. You know, but when you have, your whole rotation is on a DL, I don't think any team is, is prepared for that. No, and that's that goes back to the common, I guess, criticism of jockeys and and front office is that they did not prepare for what happened. After this run of competitive uh, years, you know this window, they sort of hoped the last year, year and a half, that the window would stay open longer than it could because there was really no plan B other than a full rebuild. Um, and, and that's easier said than done. I mean, a team in the red uh, circumstances—I don't know—you make all the right decisions, I guess. But um, well, you know, it's it's, it's they weren't ready for for the branch Ricky. Idea of you know trading somebody before that you know rather trade them to a year too early than a year too late. And yeah. The, and the Reds front office and, and and we don't know whether it's Jockety, whether it's Castellini, whether it's both. Well, you know where the the decision came from that, that they thought they could be competitive a lot longer than I think most of fandom thought they could be competitive. Uh, and and they ended up selling low. You know, not getting as much as they could because they got short. You know, they were getting towards the end of contracts, and the team was in a tailspin, and and all of these things. So, you know, there's no doubt that the Reds front office made some humongous mistakes in the last year and a half. Now the thing is, can they can they right the ship and, and, and get them prepared to be to be competitive in two years? Yeah, you know, they could have started the rebuild in 2013, really. Yep. And we might be in a position now where we're back competitive again. But we would have all complained in 2013 and 2014 uh, about how bad they were. So there's no no winning. No, even you know the thing is through these rebuilds, and, and you know, well, for one thing, this is the first time that I remember them at least admitting there's a rebuild. Right. In, in my many years of what you know, even the, through the bad years, they were always saying they could be competitive. The thing is now is to watch these young guys and see if they're getting better. And if they're getting better, then you hope that they can be part of the puzzle. 
And if they don't, then we need you know they, they need to move on from them and, 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 and try somebody else. Uh, that's why I wonder how much longer they're going to you know stick work you know try Billy Hamilton. I mean, he's still young. I I, I completely agree. But this is his what fourth year. And Third or fourth, yeah. And his numbers are going in the wrong direction. I mean, I, I don't know how much more, how much longer you can have patience with Billy Hamilton. Well, I think you have patience with him now. I don't have a problem with him having patience with him right now until they've got a better option. He's young and he's cheap right now. Unless you so, think Peraza is an option in center field. In, unless Peraza is an option, but if not, yeah. I mean, throw I, I, him I, out there. Yep, yeah, I, yep. Yeah. I don't know about having him hit one or two, but. <laughs> Oh, and that was the other thing we, we, we talked about, you know. This idea of, of firing Brian Brian Price, I, I, do I think Brian, has Brian Price been a good manager? No. Has he been a good manager as I'd hoped he'd been? No. But what good does it do to fire him at this point? I guess maybe you could say there's some, you know, you could point out that there's accountability. You know, you could be showing the players there's accountability. You know, the team isn't winning, the manager gets fired, but... Who are you going to bring in that wants this job? Uh, you know, I, I have I have friends that say, "Oh, they, Barry Larkin is going to be the next Red Jenner." Barry Larkin wouldn't take his job with a ten foot pole right now. There's 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 good managers don't survive hundred loss rebuilds. Nobody survives hundred loss rebuilds. So whoever the manager is this year and next year is not going to be the manager when this team is good again. So why throw money around and, and, and for no reason by firing Brian Price? I don't think it accomplishes anything. You know, we talked before the podcast about uh, certain topics, and talk, we, we were going to talk about Price, but I didn't know which side of it you were going to come down on. And, I, and I, I'm glad to hear, uh, as usual, rational analysis coming from Bill Lack. You know, I, <laughs> the, the fire price brigade is, has, is louder than ever. If you listen to talk radio on Twitter, there's some guy that tweets at me every single day saying, uh, Reds will never win again with price as head coach. Just tw- tweeted to me today. He keeps saying, with price as head coach, you're never going to win. Every day this guy tweets at me. Well, first thing, if somebody's calling a baseball manager a head coach, <laughs> exactly, he's not a, fan, a real big fan to begin with. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just... They're very loud right now, and I'm not sure what anybody expected Brian Price to do. I feel sorry for the guy. He's made some mistakes. He's also done some things that I think are, you know, uh, most managers would not do. He moved. Uh, he's moved several times. Votto into the number two spot in the hole at times, trying to get the offense going. Nobody would have ever considered that, you know, before this season. Uh, he's uh, batted Billy Hamilton ninth, moved the pitcher up to eight, I and mean, he's he's done some things where he's thinking they've incorporated shifts. Under price more than they ever did before, although they still don't do it as much as most teams. Defensive shifts. That's kind of a major league uh, trend at this point. It is. But he's been open to it. Watch the Washington Nationals. See how much they shift with Dusty. Um, and so he's done. I, I'm not going to argue that he's been a good manager, uh, but I don't think there's evidence that he's been uh, a bad manager either. Frankly, I think he just is what he is. He's had. He's had the two worst rosters these last two years, the two worst rosters I ever remember the Reds having at his disposal because of injuries, because of uh, trades. You know, they had to start. How many consecutive starts did they have last year with rookie pitchers pitching? It was almost the whole second half of the season, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and this year, his whole starting rotation is, has been injured. 
Yeah. You know, uh, at least four guys, I think, that they thought, we talked about three of them earlier, we didn't mention Michael Lorenzen. You know, those are guys that he expected to have available to him. And so... I don't think he thought his starting rotation was going to be his problem. No, no. They've got Alfredo Simon they've given nine starts to. He finally got his ERA below ten. Has he got through the fifth yet? uh, uh, Maybe once. And they can't get rid of him because everybody else is injured. They can't release him. They can't designate him for assignment. They can't do anything with Alfredo Simon and his ten ERA because they don't have any other options. And you want to blame Brian Price for that? Yeah. Uh, On top of the fact that who would take the job? I mean, I, I, you know, I forget, the, what's the guy's name as the bench coach? Uh, Riggleman? Yeah. I'm assuming they would promote Riggleman if they fired Price. I, I, I'm assuming if you take those jobs, you know, if you take interim jobs, you get some type of pay bump. I'm sure. Again, you're spending money you don't need to spend. There's, you know, there, there's no reason to spend at this point. Well, that's, a, that's a point that I hadn't really considered as much and don't, you don't hear as much. Which is that? Why uh, you know it's not going to make any difference to this team, uh, to the next competitive Reds team, whether Brian Price is the manager right now or not. Okay, they're not going to get better right now. If they bring anybody, if they could bring in the ghost of Sparky Anderson with Casey team, Stengel and John McGraw, <laughs> right? And this team's not going to be better. They're going to be bad no matter what. Uh, you can't. Uh, much of what Price had to deal with, you can't blame him. And why not just let him? Be the fall guy. I hate to say it. He's yeah. going to get fired eventually. He is. He knows it. Everybody knows it. That's the way baseball works. Wait until you're ready to be competitive and then go with the guy that you think can be the at the helm. Well, this is his last year managing the Reds. This is the end of his contract. Why, why not let him go out to the end of the year and then you, know, you, you bring the next sacrificial lamb in? Because I think whoever the manager is next year isn't going to be the manager when they're good. That's quite possible. It's quite possible because uh, you know there's a good argument made they won't be ready next year to take a big step forward. Although I think you can argue both sides of that. So I, my whole idea with, with prices, number one, I, I actually think I can make a good, pretty good case, and I will try to do this in print sometime. I think that Price is underrated as a manager; that <laughs> he's actually not nearly as bad as people think. But uh, uh, but on the other hand. He's not going to be around very long. He's going to go back to being a pitching coach, and I hope he lands on his feet somewhere as a pitching coach. Um, but he's, a, he's a very good pitching coach. Yes, and uh, it's been a shame to watch the rotation and bullpen that this poor uh, former pitching coach has had to deal with. But you know, let him. He's been the he's been the fall guy. He's been the guy that's had to take some of the slings and arrows uh, every day with the media for a roster that he didn't put together. He's going to be gone soon enough. I can't think of a single way that it helps the Reds organization to fire him right now. Let him ride out his time. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just you're spending, you'd be spending money you don't need to spend. You're not helping the ball club. You're not helping the development of the team. I don't think. Like I said, you could. I guess you could make the argument that you know the fundamental type stuff that isn't that this team does seem to sorely lack. So that the blame for that has to go somewhere. But at this point in the season, you bring in another guy, you know, there's no measure, there's no way to measure that there's any difference. Yeah. 
They just, yeah, it, it, it's it's nonsensical. There's no logical reason to do it right now, and, and I don't think they will. I think Price finishes out the season. I don't know. I think it depends on how, if they're if they're looking at 110 or 115 lost season. I think they get into August or after you know after late July, the middle of August, and the ballpark is empty. I think somebody's head will have to roll. And it's going to be prices. Uh, maybe. Yeah, it's I, a shame. I hope not. I, I hope not because all that is is a knee-jerk reaction. Well, you say a head needs to roll, but and, and what happens is exactly what you described. The manager's head roll rolls, but it's not the manager's fault of this team. No. It, no, it, you no, know. no, no. So you're, you're, the, the wrong head is rolling. Yeah, but, I mean, but you, you and I both know that that's just the way the, the game works. I mean. You're right. You, you, you can't fire 24, so you fire one. Yeah, and if if they do that before the season's over, it's entirely a public relations move. Absolutely, and I, and I think a lot of times when bad when bad teams fire their manager, that's exactly what it is anyway. Yeah, yeah, and maybe I mean, you the, know, the Braves already fired their manager this year. Yeah, that guy was an awful manager, though. Well, um. yeah. but I, again, I don't think it's his fault that they're terrible. No, it's absolutely not. It's absolutely not. So yeah. you know. And, and yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, you look at guys, and, and, and the one that comes to my mind is Joe Torre. You know, did, when did you know he was a terrible manager in Atlanta? and He was a great manager with the Yankees. Hmm. <laughs> Personnel on the field but didn't have anything to do with that, did it? Yeah, I've got some. <laughs> I've got some friends that are high school uh, coaches in various sports, and and they always use this phrase: "It's not about the X's and O's; it's all about the Johnnies and Joes." <laughs> yeah, there you go. Players you've got more than you know uh, what you can do. Yeah. So uh, and that's the same even on the professional level. You're right. Joe Torre's a great example. He becomes a Hall of Fame manager as soon as he gets good players on his team. Yeah, as soon as he gets the Yankees. <laughs> right. So. Well, Bill, I think we've probably uh, beaten this one to death, don't you think? And then some. And then some. But it's always good talking to you about the Reds. Um, even during a season like this, I think we there's lots to talk about. We're not uh, looking forward to the playoffs, but there's still plenty to talk about. And I'm going to get you on the – we're going to get together on the phone and uh, do some more talking in the coming weeks, I hope. Okay. Uh, two All things right. before we sign off. Sure. One is read uh, the stuff Chad writes on Cincinnati Magazine. It's well, always well worth the read. I don't know about that, but thank you. It, it's always well worth the read. And the other is Chad and I are, are um, taping this on Memorial Day morning. I hope you spend a little bit of time today thinking about those that died in the service of their country, keeping us all safe and free. Absolutely. I'm glad you, you brought that up, uh, Bill. Absolutely. Um, rem- uh, you know, remember what, uh, while we have this day, uh, it's not for grilling. It's to, uh, to honor those who uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice for me, for you, for all of us. So, um, well, Bill, I think that's a good, as good a place as any to wrap things up here. Uh, I would ask you to go, as we always do, go to Red Lake Nation Radio dot com and uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can go on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast to be automatically delivered to you. If you go to iTunes, uh, leave us a leave us a review if you could. That helps uh, bump us up in the in the uh, rankings a little bit. If you leave the, the ratings and the reviews, it makes us a little more visible when people search. Uh, but as I always say, only give us a review if you got something uh, nice to say. If you like us, if you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Um, <laughs> Bill, great talking to you again, and we will do this again very soon, buddy. All right, man. All right. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dawson saying, 
So long, everyone. Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.